And so, we're gonna get we're gonna get rolling here. This is actually episode number seventy five because we talked so much last week. We covered episode seventy three and seventy four. So you did do that. Yeah. Wow. So way to go, Dan. Yeah, we were we were singing. All right. So it, we did, and in the at the end of that one, we had and I can't remember whether it was John or Don. It was Don. If it was good, it somebody was me. Made, <laughs> somebody <laughs> made a comment, and this is what this I is what uh, I, I based this week's episode on. When I shot, I did actually shoot an email out. Thank you all for not reading it, oh. and, uh, <laughs> and, and coming ill prepared as we always. I think do you took anyway, me off your so. list, so I don't think I get a tradition. Strong. No, no one's been taken off the all list. Right. So. I never made it on the list. So, so what does your email say? <laughs> all right. What does your email say? Peter? Our weekly topic is sucking your thumb because someone said, "Well," and and here was the comment. Well, while you're over there in the corner sucking on your thumb, who's going to save you? And it had to do with the context. I don't remember. It had had to do with the context of government versus charitable giving. Okay. And which is where the the. Part two of last week's episode seventy four okay. ended up, right. and it was um, uh, "Have a nice day, Nancy." Part two, that. That, that was you. Was so that yeah, that was, was Don. Yeah, that was you. For sure. Have a nice day, Nancy. You're having a good day, man. Yeah. I remember that. It's obvious. Uh, so, <laughs> who's <laughs> gonna save you? While you're over there sucking your thumb, who's gonna save you? <laughs> we need to understand the difference between a welfare state and charitable giving. Mm-hmm. That was in. Dan's voice. The masses are kept dependent through entitlements. That, I think, was John's voice or Ken's? It was Ken's. <laughs> John didn't want to take credit. Well, we are taking ownership on that. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong, but it's yeah. just... You agree. You I just don't want to take credit. I'd have been more eloquent. <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't think I'm that insightful. You would have said it much better. Yeah. I just, I'm not that insightful. And the statement of division is divisive. I think that was Matt. I wasn't here last week. You so weren't. Wow. <laughs> oh, Bill. I think that was Bill. Bill's not here. Division is divisive. Division is divisive. He's not here to defend himself. Um, it must so have we'll been we'll credit that one to <laughs> Bill. <laughs> and then <laughs> evil acts and actions are intentional. And I think that was John. I That would make sense. Um, and then, and I don't remember who said this. It's our, oh, it, this was Dan. It's our time in this history. What role will you take? That yes, was that Dan. Was that was Dan. Yeah, was and Dan. so after going through all that, asking the question, who's going to save you? I then sum that up with all with the reverse of that, of who are you going to save? And that was what was in the email for this one. So yeah. if you all like to suck your thumbs, it'll be a really gross-sounding podcast, I guess, and my misophonia will act up and I'll have to leave. Uh, but, uh, you know. I've got nothing. Anyway, you got nothing. For that. Um, nothing for that. So who's going to save you? The transcript. Where'd you get that transcript? Yeah, off of off of the close to the end of episode 74, I mean, part How two. do you get that? Can I get the transcripts, too? So... <laughs> I'd like to do some redaction work. You actually have to listen to it and start writing shit down. So that's how that works. That's how I that thought you had like about. a logarithm on a computer or something oh, that did that. Good lord, no. Now, YouTube has that, but none of these go up on YouTube. So Yet. Yet. Yeah. And who are you? Yeah. Say that Here we go. I am. 
Yeah. I always have to do this. I am Peter Galt. You do, actually. You have to remind me to actually introduce the damn thing. We've been doing this more than a year. Episode 75, 75 weeks in a row. Episode 75 of Civil... weeks in a row. Oh, that's right. <laughs> damn, because we did two episodes off of last week. Damn, quit giving me these squirrels to chase. I'm sorry. Here we go. I am Peter Gaunt, host and creator. Squirrel. Creator. I can't even Creator. <laughs> host and creator of Civil Tension. Here with me are six co-hosts today. On my right, John Guancy. Jerry Settles. Ken Nicholson. Matt Kucharski. Don Stevenson. Dan Kreister. <laughs> <laughs> Ay, 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 ay. Not to be confused with creasters. Right, or curasotes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're after a roaring start. Mr. Creasote. We're after a roaring start today. It's now. only a whopper thing. <laughs> exactly. As everybody whips out their phone and starts saying, why am I here? Why am I here? Yeah. So who's going to save you? Do we understand the difference between welfare state and charitable giving? Do we understand that? As we a nation or lessons? You mean in terms of, oh, yeah, explaining it? Yeah. You should, def- you should define terms, I always. Define terms. Okay, so a charitable state delivers what it feels you are entitled to. It's support from the government. You mean welfare state? Welfare, welfare state. state. I, man, Cons- all right. we need somebody yeah. else to talk yeah, for a <laughs> I might be. I need a haircut. <laughs> this is Weighing good. down. You said you lost a lot of weight and brain's mostly fat, so. <laughs> <laughs> 38.2 pounds as of this morning. There it is. <laughs> Nine of it is in his head. Yeah, Nine of it from my head. Okay, so the welfare the state is what again? Well, the welfare state is government, yes. whether, it be, whether it be federal, state, whatever level it is. Mm-hmm. And then charitable giving is that which is done on a personal level out of your own desire to support others. Okay, I'm that's okay where I'm starting with that. Dan, with any that objections? Definition. So, Ooh, wow. Wow. All right. <laughs> so, do you want... First. I feel like slacking. You are. Do you want, in whatever... Now, we can also define on how do people need to be saved. Because mm-hmm. being saved takes on many, many different examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if you need to define that, we can go all the way from emotional uh, saving to... Fiscal, financial, you know, sustainable saving, mm-hmm. and then that question becomes: Is which John would probably throw out mm-hmm. is continued saving through mm-hmm. a welfare state sustainable? Mm-hmm. Uh, proven uh, not. I think it's been uh, proven that it's not saving from what? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> what is, asking. Are we are we going to be saving people from? their lack of ability to support themselves, when, no matter how that may be. Is that housing? Is that food? Is that money? Save from their circumstances. Is this all about the idea of socialism? Is that what you're, That's where this came in based, last week. All right. Yeah, I we think were, it came out of our discussion so, so, about how many people are interested in socialism, and we're kind of stunned by that as people who can right. read about history. So the idea that you're allowed, the, the idea that there's, there's this one woman saying you're going to get a job, government's going to guarantee you a job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the other guy saying that we're going to give everybody twelve thousand dollars a year or twenty four thousand dollars a year. Right, right. Sweet. So mm-hmm. the idea, so the idea you're saying saved means that these things are supposed to 
save our lives, save our welfare, save our dignity. This is confusing, man. Like, okay, you, sorry. You, all of the above seems to be the intent of that or how it's being sold. So a nanny state. A nanny state. That's a good there you go. Because that's Ooh, very good. Is, yeah. You know, or in a nanny state being very different because there's things in a nanny state that are uh, compulsory as opposed to voluntary. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's the issue. But I think that that, but Dan asked a good question, from what is a person being saved? Because a person does not save a person from um, a situation where they lack dignity, where they feel downtrodden personally, emotionally, relationally to their ability to produce wealth, value, have a purpose in life, i.e. what do you wake up for to go do? Uh, You can't save somebody from that type of emotional response to life circumstances or operational theater by giving them a check. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, you degrade their sense of dignity and over time, Mm -hmm. they become increasingly disconnected and I don't know. I mean, Dan, you may know the the data points on this, or maybe someone else does. But the um, but the uh, cor- if correlation causation between uh, levels of depression and so on and so forth in people that are just wards of the state, as opposed to people who are out doing work, mm-hmm. getting up, struggling, risking. Uh, putting their keisters on the line every day and losing more than they win, right? I.e., any good uh, professional baseball player, right? Uh, lose much more than they win, but yet there is incredible dignity in the battle, in the trial, in the being in the ring, uh, swinging away, going for it. And so I wonder if there's any correlation, causation between, you know, the. Uh, between those people that just get a check. There is. As opposed oh, to, yeah, oh, you there. see? Oh, okay, so there is very likely in, in uh, you touch on that because I think that that's probably one of the most obvious aspects, but there's another side of this coin that uh, I've seen in people that I've hired and I've given work to is also a concept called enabling. Mm-hmm. And so if someone's into a drug or they're into a thing or a destructive course of life and they're using money for this, you start giving them money, it's going to accelerate. Sure. I mean, it's gas on a fire. Right. So it, it, that's the other side. And of it. why is that? Why is that? Is there, is there a, from what you've seen and what you've experienced, is that a lack of uh, discipline, a lack of emotional, fiscal maturity? What are those it's things? A combination that of events that usually result themselves in an aspect of low self-esteem and depression. Okay. So low self-esteem comes from the idea that they're really not doing something that they want to do, mm-hmm. so they look for a high or whatever. Mm-hmm. Escapism. But, but it's but yeah, it is and it isn't because you can't always group it that way because some people just like to party. Sure. Sure. For whatever reason. Well, money will always money doesn't change who you are. You, be, you might become more of what you are. I've always heard that statement that if you were a, if you win the lottery, if you were a wonderful person, you'll be an even better person. If you were a bad person, you'll be an even worse person with a lot of money, um, because it doesn't change fundamentally who you are. Have someone giving you something. I mean, you getting money doesn't. The truth about the lotteries is, is that it destroys lives. Oh yeah, absolutely. a lot of people end up worse off. Absolutely, a lot of people end up worse off. But the point being is that by giving you some money, um, it's not changing. That doesn't change. If I don't, if I if I feel bad and depressed and I don't want to work. And I give you a thousand bucks a month. I'm I'm still going to be sad and depressed and not want to work. It doesn't change my right. my outlook. It doesn't change my mentality. It doesn't change my circumstance. What what I I think everybody as they mature and I think emotional maturity is is the core of the thing. And sometimes for some people, it simply never happens. Right. Uh, and I, I I certainly came close to being one of those. <laughs> um, 
The uh, it is as I've gotten older, I've uh, I've begun taking much more pleasure in working hard and helping other people learn to work hard and that kind of thing. All by itself, it's an, it, there's some there's something intrinsic there that uh, that feeds me all by itself. I don't I don't need to be thanked by, mm-hmm. by anybody. Right. I don't need to be paid for it. I I take a lot of pleasure from simply doing the work. And this is something that was at least much less true the farther in my life I look back. back. How would you define emotional maturity? Because you're saying that that's a hinge pin for you. Uh, uh, Perhaps maturity is the wrong word. Age. Well, whatever you want to say, I mean, I don't want to put words about it. I would suggest that the turning, I, I would suggest what you just said, how I would paraphrase it is is when you switched from focus on self to focus on others. Yeah. You said all of a sudden yeah. I'm, I'm more interested in working hard and showing other people how to work and serving other people without a thank you. To me, yeah. that's what you just, that was how you described it. And, and, Emotional and maturity. The pleasure you could take from that, the reward you could take from that was a complete mystery to me until more than two thirds away. But, but I think though that to, to kind of bring this back to Pete's original point is this issue of from, and Dan's question, from what are being we saved. being saved? Mm-hmm. And I think that the problem with compulsory nanny states is that they seek to save people from the wrong thing. Sure. And they try are trying to save people from the thing that is easy and expedient. And at some level you can have a hard, hard, quantity data point, right? You can say, it's easy to say, well, I'm going to take $5 from Pete and I'm going to give $3 to Ken. Those are very easy data points. Why? Because Ken needs $3. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Ken lives in a tent, yeah. right? It, well, it's obvious. And they're very observable things that are apparent and simplistic. What the government cannot deal with and is not in any, they're not even equipped to do that. Really, let alone the really hard thing, which is to say, well, what really gives a person value in life? Mm -hmm. Waking up in the morning, going and doing a job. When when I was, um, you know, when I was in manufacturing, I mean, there was something you went up to and you woke up and you went and you did it. And every morning you woke up and you had pain in your gut. Because if you're because if things are not going wrong in manufacturing, you're not manufacturing. I mean that's just that's reality, mm-hmm. right? Every morning, I remember when I would go on vacation and I would uh, uh, I go on two weeks of vacation, three days coming going into vacation, my guts would just be churning. I mean almost to the point where you want to puke, mm-hmm. and then everything would settle down and I'd go on vacation, I'd enjoy myself, and then about three days before I went back, boom, the guts Fires would start up again. I mean that was the thing, but there was a lot of value in that. Then you fast forward to when I. Um, uh, forcibly retired from manufacturing, so to speak, and um, asked to retire. Yeah, asked to retire from manufacturing, uh, and uh, you're laying there in the bed and you're waking up and you're looking at the fan and there's nothing to wake up and go do, mm-hmm. right? And you fill out the applications and this and that and the other and based on the economy, what have you, and nobody wants you. You have no need. You have no purpose. There's no reason to have any fire. No, I mean you're just dying inside. I remember, just just again, a personal anecdote in the spirit of vulnerability, uh, I remember when I went and applied for unemployment. I mean, something that I paid into, the company paid mm-hmm. into, whatever, whatever. I went and did this thing. And I remember when I went over and, and got my unemployment and finished that process and went back in the car. I sat back in the car, closed the door, I put my head on the steering wheel, and I wept uncontrollably for an hour. 
because you consider yourself a failure. Because I can, because I consider now myself to be. Now I'm a ward of the state. Now I am dependent upon because you paid into it. Right, exactly. But but just that. Still felt that. But just that, and but but exactly, and that's what we're trying to get to is the thing that government cannot really address is the issue of a person's response to whether their life has value, whether they have meaning, whether they're creating wealth. And all these things are very intangible and hard to define. Self-worth. Self-worth, right? And all these things. And what government does in the nanny state is that they they say, well, I'll give you worth, I'll give you money. And that will give you worth. No. The money comes in response in response mm-hmm. to you having worth and creating value. Walter Williams, economist, uh, what, George Mason University, I think it is, he said, look, all a dollar bill is is, an, is a certificate of approval. I will give you this certificate of approval because you've done something that I think is really so awesome that I'm going to give you worth, boom. And so I just think that the government is obviously chasing the wrong thing, one, and two, they compel all of us to participate in this failed ex- experiment. As is many times the case with government, they do not address the root cause, they address a symptom, and that's why it's not their business. Well, it's, it's not, not their the government's anyway. intent to solve anything. No, it the shouldn't government be. Is a it shouldn't be. Okay, so let me, let me no, ask It's not their intent because if they, if it were their intent, they'd look at the results they got on the southwest yeah, side and point. they would change the way they govern. Absolutely. Okay, so, so what would you think of the government having a program similar to like the WPA coming out of the Great Depression in the 20s and 30s. Better than welfare. Well, exactly. You, we're not just giving you a check to sit home, mm-hmm. but we're going to borrow some money from the taxpayers and we're going to do some public works. We're going to build great lodges in the national parks. We're going to clear land. We're going to And if I'm an you know, excavator, you're going to compete against me? Yeah, exactly. Right. That's the problem. So, yeah. and, and, and so Part I, of the problem. I yeah. think everything has to be everything has to be uh, looked at within, you know, the economic context. For example, if there were other private firms uh, to do the work that needs to be done, then those contractors should be the mechanism or the vehicle through which, hey, we want to hire you, government speaking, we want to hire you to build great lodges to do this and that, and you're going to need to expand your workforce, and then those people do not work for the government, they are hired by the private entities for a while it is the scope of work exists, and then the thing goes away when the projects are completed. That's how I would do that as opposed to... And how did that work out with the whole shovel-ready stuff? Yeah, it, exactly. Like manufacturing well, and it didn't. It didn't. And exactly because I think to Kent's point, the government is in that situation. Government wasn't there to solve a problem. Government was there to uh, self-preserve and very specifically get uh, votes and and uh, you know grease some palms and take care of your buddies. That's all that was about. Those shovel ready jobs were never shovel ready, and they knew it. Most of that money that went out came right back in the form of uh, campaign donations. Yeah, it's amazing right. how that well, works. Let's say you got three sides of a square with the money and, and the incentive going around it, so there's no accountability back at the top. Did you, you just to, say three sides of a square? Yeah, you yeah, sure did. Yeah, just checking. That's, that's, that's <laughs> the Northwestern Educated Engineer coming out. I was just checking. I would have thought he would have said that this morning. But to your point, <laughs> to your point on the depression and the WPA, the, there was a book written by a woman called Marianne Williams who discussed exactly what we're talking about and what the result of it was out of the Great Depression where men uh, lost their aspect of self-worth. Mm-hmm. And similarly enough, she points out that this was the rise of the woman 
in the home mm-hmm. because she was subservient to the man because he won- he was a breadwinner. And once that once the man lost his job, and women could get could get work, sure, but men could not. Right. Uh, it's just the way it was set up at the time. But the men would still dress themselves in their clothes. They would go down to the corners where they would normally meet to get to a bus, yep. and they'd sit there all day because yep. they had nothing to do. I mean, it's a very depressing instance. But the concept behind it was was this idea of self worth. And, and as I'm reading this, I'm comparing it to today. The, when the churches got involved. Uh, they were the first ones on the line, and they, owned, they didn't have a lot of resources, so they couldn't do it for very long, uh, which is why the government needed to come in. But they would, they, the people would not accept food from them, mm-hmm. so they had to leave it on the doorstep so that they did not know who brought it. Right. And so they would have to throw, they, they would have to throw, they would either throw the food away or eat it. So what are you going to do, right? Right. And, and, the, and if you go back and you look at the, uh, this book, I think it was written by Amity Shales, The Forgotten Man. It was about the Great Depression, and she actually lives here locally. Uh, just an, an incredible book, and the and the opening chapters they're discussing um, uh, depression. There's they're uh, addressing joblessness rates and all the rest of it, and and symptoms that you would think would have been in the heart of the Great Depression, but the reality is they were in the heart of after FDR already introduced all these great programs. Uh, FDR and socialism and all the rest of this hogwash never really made an ounce worth of difference in the lives of anyone, and certainly not in the economy, coming out of the Great Depression. The only thing that, got, well, one of the key that got us out of the Depression was the war. Yes, I mean, that's it. I mean, there's, and there's no disputing well, that. Well, I'm going to debate that for a second. One of the biggest things that came out from FDR was his radio programs. Now, you're talking about economic programs. I totally understand that. But it's radio programs that attached the individual to the government. And that was a, a huge relief. And I talked to people at that time that would listen to this. They would describe it that it, it seemed as though the world had gone off its rails. Mm-hmm. But when they could sit down and listen to FDR talk on the radio in their living room, that he was talking to them and telling them words of comfort and words of soothing. We are we are doing something, which was more valuable than what they did. Which was more valuable than what they did. And that's the thing is, I always try to look at the thing that they actually did, and the thing that FDR did in picking up on your words, Dan. I think it's very poignant. Is the idea that FDR connected people to government and people should not be connected to government people should be connected to themselves their liberty and what they do again we feed back into but if you don't have any family you have nothing absolutely absolutely those exactly but the problem is is that that it was a it wasn't an it wasn't a genuine effort to try to improve the lives of people it was a power grab it dates back to wilson i mean this is where these ideas coming out of Columbia, out of coming out of Columbia University, right? Mm-hmm. President Columbia. Absolutely. Well, I mean, this is like, what it was. It was just a grab. And I don't and, know about FDR though. I think FDR. He was like FDR a daddy. Was he was like a daddy, right? Uh, absolutely. The, the, the decisions he had to make uh, for the war. I mean, and, and, the, and that's another aspect about banding this country together. You know, we just had the seventy fifth. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Normandy, mm-hmm. and I was watching a program, terrible program, but I was watching a program on it, and they had one of these gentlemen there was talking about that he had come from a small town of 1,200 people. Yeah, I saw that program. And and were, you're right, and, it was and, terrible. In that town, there were four people that committed suicide because they were branded as 4F. Mm. They couldn't join up. Right. And, they, and they, these are men, obviously. They're so devastated by the fact that they cannot contribute to the country, they killed themselves. Right. right. Now this is an idea. This is an, I, I bring this up for this other idea though, because we're talking about self worth. Sure. So what is self worth? But then you. So then a person. And how do you define it? Is right. the most important part. So the way you, you feel yourself. after you've done but, something worthwhile. 
But okay, so it's got to come from having done something. So you have people that so actions definitely. But you have people though that at at that uh, they're kill, they kill themselves because they couldn't get in. And then mm -hmm. in the present age, we have every single day twenty veterans committing suicide right. because they did get in mm -hmm. and they did do the thing that they should have done. They did follow the orders even though they didn't want to do and the things that they saw and the things that they experienced. And right now, presently in the United States. 20 uh, veterans every single day are killing themselves because they did the thing. They got. They have self-worth, right? Because they did get in. But their expectations of what that was going to bring them was absolutely the romanticization mm -hmm. and what absolutely. have you. So, so when, I, when I was talking about self-worth and we were bringing this up about being saved, what are you going to be saved from? Your self-worth? Or is this going to add to it? <clears throat> so what, what's the game? So I mean, so I think that what government tries to tries to save people from, and what a rabbit trail, dude. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but I think the thing that government is trying to save people from is the uncertainty and the and the chaos and the risk of living. Yes, and there is. Uh, you can't you can't save people from the risk. That, that not, I agree with him. You can't. <laughs> oh, no. You can't. Oh, no. We're done. Okay. We're so, done for the so day. So I just want to go on record Earth of moves. equal measure that Dan finally got it right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's one of the signs of the apocalypse. Right. It is. I want to piggyback on what you just said because one of the things that has risen me crazy crazy is is I think one of the problems is that we're there a lot of people are teaching their kids that life is fair. And what a terrible thing to do to a child, because <laughs> it's not fair. Mm -hmm. And teaching kids that life should be fair, and I think, because that's what I think government is pretending to try to fix, and I'm going to air quotes pretending, is to try to make things fair and equal and all of these things, and it's not possible, first of all, because it's too big, it's too complex, people are nasty, and it will never be fair. Sure. Um, and we need to teach people how to be resilient and bounce back and fight through that, but we're kind of doing the opposite. It's like it's not your fault. You're, it's too. Uh, that's too bad. So we got to do something for you, and all that does is is push you further. Well, and that keeps you and you and John are actually saying, in my mind, you're saying very much the same mm -hmm. thing, because the desire to keep things fair right. is an attempt to mitigate or control that chaos right. of living. Mm -hmm. And that actually is done through keeping forcibly, yep. and you can call it the nanny state, mm -hmm. welfare state, we're very much on the way to this, mm -hmm. but that keeps masses so that, and you talked about the power grab earlier, masses controlled through dependence. Right. If they depend on you, you own, them. you own them, you own the masses, and you do that through giving them their sustenance. You cannot give someone... Dan's going, no, 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 no. I'm not no. buying into that. But, not, but it's... I, yeah, I'm still going to go with that. Um, <laughs> Stand you, that's ground. how you control people. If people are willing to be controlled through having their sustenance met... There you go. Living, if they are willing, willing to be controlled, which we see, that's going to keep them subservient. They, they have to be willing to be subservient. There's a choice there. But well, governments but are feeding into this. I right? think we're raising a lot of people that feel entitled. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's part of the... That's, so you know, this the is what I should get. Because it's, 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 it's not fair. It's not fair. Why should I work but, when I can get money right. to support me yeah. and... But, 
Nobody cares if I'm doing anything. Then it becomes that entitlement. Why, why were you shaking your head, Dan? What were you objecting yeah. to? He's crossing some lines there. I want to make a couple of declarations that I that I hold. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Whoa! That's <laughs> like some theme music. Okay, okay. so much I'm, for I'd like to make some declarations. Hi, my name's Dan. <laughs> okay, I got my declaration. This week, Dan declared. Press on, Dan. Press on. So one of the issues that you guys have a problem with is the fact that our government does play a huge role. The government is extremely necessary. You want to look at the difference of why a government matters? Just look at what the living state of living is here in the U.S. and everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell you that the, it's a messy situation, but the government plays a very important role. And its ability to dis- redistribute wealth is also a very important mechanism. Now, yes. as to how far you go with this is right. kind of the argument. Right. Right. Okay. okay, number one. Right. Okay, number one. Number right. two, when you talk about the idea of someone being enslaved to it, anybody that works for a corporation has that same obligation. They're enslaved to that corporation more than the fact that they have to change the way that they behave. There was a guy, that, an engineer in Google, that just got his ass fired because right. he posted a letter saying that Disagree. It, there's actually police with inside this uh, this organization mm-hmm. that are that are monitoring what they do, and if they don't abide by party line, and I use that word dr- distinctively, mm-hmm. you mean then the they're out. Party line, it, right. I Not mean, the, I mean line, the company's party line. No, which could be party line right? could be political or yeah. whatever they want, but it's their line. Now, does a corporation have the right to do this? To a degree, they do. Mm-hmm. Sure, but. When we talk about the idea about enslavement to a government and about enslavement as far as your uh, as far as your money, it's what you're willing to risk. Okay, so if you but have no, nothing, no, 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 I, I don't no. Just, <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> then you have to rely upon something else. Can't I don't disagree with man. you on these points. I don't disagree with you on these points, but it is so still a constructive way to control people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 it's a, it, you like to use the word tactic. It is a tactic of control. Yeah. So it's Google's, it's and, Google's tactics is controlling their people. True. Absolutely. I would agree with that. And it's no different in But there is a difference company. between a government choose, and a company, though. Right. And, and, and so the issue of government controlling, okay? Uh, you in, can't escape. In, in Google's example, the people who go there to work are employed and they understand that these are the terms of the employment right. and if they Those don't understand the terms of their free will leave. to work there, they can leave, go they do can, something else. If there's no. another option. If there's another option, right. exactly, right. and that's within their purview. That's where, that's where the government steps in because there's no other, there's no other options for people. There's that's always, why the government has to be here to help. No, but here's the issue, right? And here's the problem. The worst is words that the, is that I am from the government. I'm here to help. <laughs> <laughs> you don't yeah. have one here. So what we wind up with, though, is that it that if you had people that were on the government dole welfare and there were restrictions on what they could do with their payments, i.e. no tobacco, yeah. no alcohol. Yeah. Um, let's see, you get to eat MREs. Why? Because they're good enough for our men and women in uniform, they're good enough for you. Mm-hmm. And you don't get to go out and buy steak when it is many people uh, who work hard, wake up every morning and work two, three jobs and raising their families can't afford steak. Some of them can't even afford meat. Yeah. Why is that? Because they can't. But yet you get someone who's getting their, you know, their WIC mm-hmm. cards, and they're going out there, they're rolling out with T-bones and everything yeah. else. Some, Not with WIC. Sometimes. You see, I look, I've, I've, I've seen, seen, I've seen Not more. Not with WIC. With food stamps, yes. I've, WIC has very strict guidelines on what those coupons will allow them to get. To buy. So, so the so the so the statement uh, duly corrected, and, the, and at the same time, it's still government money being confiscated from the individual citizen given to. Right? Let's look at it this way. I don't think, to Dan's point, I don't think it's an issue that government uh, playing a huge role is the problem, 
because Winston Churchill, as smart as he was, wrestled with the idea of how much is the safety nut, how mm -hmm. much is the hammock. Mm -hmm. He hard. wrestled with these issues. If you want to read a great book, Churchill's do. Trial uh, by uh, Dr. President Larry Arn of Hillsdale College. Great book. Read it. Here's the issue. We are right now in the United States of America at an unemployment rate of approximately what? 3.9? Three, uh, 3.4. 3.4%. Mm -hmm. Now, so that means that we have people that are working, that are contributing to the tax base, that are no longer on the government dole, no longer receiving those funds. Now, I'm just guessing here that those the tax burden on the working citizen should be going down because the need for those dollars spent budgetarily should be going down. It's the issue that if government would do the thing and do the thing and then when the need for the thing passes, would the then thing. retreat from the thing and turn it over fundamentally to the private sector. But that isn't what happens. It's kind of like the toll. Yeah, we buy, right. put a toll to pay for the roads and the toll's there for... Well, right, and, the, and you see, and that's the problem that, that conservatarians like mm -hmm. myself mm -hmm. have with the government. I don't have an issue if you can and the question is can you step in and do it effectively right. question one I doubt that right. but even if you can if you do the thing and the thing the need for your activity passes and it's then people are boom you knock off the training wheels they now have self-worth they're waking up they're going to do things hand up instead of hand and, yeah. and then yeah. then yeah. the government program goes, goes away. away yeah they don't but it doesn't do that I'm sorry, go ahead. No. I said they don't go away, the government. Okay, well, well don't. look at unemployment. We, we had economic disaster, call it what you will. A lot of companies offshored, a lot of companies went under, a lot of people ended up on unemployment, and you wanted to work. I'm sure you wanted to work and not sure. wake up staring at the ceiling fan. Absolutely. But there were no jobs to be had. Yep. So, government puts in a program and says we're going to extend unemployment mm -hmm. from 26 weeks up to possibly 99 weeks because mm -hmm. there just are no jobs to be had. Sure. And you know, so, in so, theory, that yeah. went back to 26 as the economy recovered, the unemployment rate dropped. Yeah, but, but let me ask you this but, question. But, but wait a minute, wait, but wait. Unemployment, we got to be real clear on this. Unemployment is not a form of welfare. Right. Unemployment is paid it's into insurance. It, yeah, it's, right. it's, it's insurance. insurance. It's insurance, and that is not welfare. That is a totally separate issue. Okay. But let me raise a welfare issue for you. Sure. We, we, we talk about creation of the nanny state and roping people in, and maybe they support one party over another because they're the ones they perceive giving them the benefits. Yep. Do we, as a taxpayer, buy into it in the sense that if we cut off welfare, if we cut off Section 8, if we greatly diminish the amount of food stamps and wick that one out there, that that would cause chaos in our society. I, if you quit sending all these people the money, people that may be but, generally good-hearted that wouldn't do something criminal when they now have no food and no place to sleep will now consider doing things that they wouldn't have done otherwise Absolutely. in the heart of survival. Absolutely. And so, but, but I think, though, we need to take a look at a couple of things. Number one, unemployment in the Great Depression was around 25%. It was just astronomical, but yet the amount of violence, rioting, all whatever, the things that you rightly described that I would be in fear of in today's modern era right. did not exist. Now, let's deal with this. What should what I'm not I'm not saying that there should be no this thing. knife edge coming right down and saying tomorrow we shall. I think that there is a process and and we have to have a reasoned trajectory of. Uh, so there were no jobs to be had, this and that and the other. What should be the response on the part of government? Uh, 
beginning to create uh, through taxation and incentives and all the rest to attract capital, to attract jobs, to attract employment, so that not to create more welfare dependency. Uh, for example, look at AOC and her uh, incredible effort to get Amazon to not locate, yeah. right? Uh, what was that? That was millions and millions of dollars lost, not only in terms of revenue in the form of people working, but millions and millions of dollars lost, and that now those people are still on the public dole in some way. So they lost on both sides. So what would so that's the mindset that I'm guarding that I would say we need to guard against. Government get out of the way. Look at what Trump has done. Why do we have 3.4% unemployment? We've reduced regulations, we've reduced taxes, we've incentivized capital, venture capital to come into the country for job creation. And what has happened? People then wake up every morning, go get a job as opposed to wake up every morning and get a check. Done. Very, very fundamental difference between the left and the right on this issue is when times get tough, the left looks to create dependence and the right looks to create opportunity. That's what you just described. Our response as a nation should be not, oh, it's tough times, let's create dependence. It should be, how do we create more opportunity?